When we leave our hometowns, we often say that they're great places to be from. But many stay and often say that they're also great places to belong. Well, let's meet someone who stayed in her small hometown in southwestern Oklahoma and definitely belongs. I'm Garland McWaters, and this is the Spirit of Leading podcast. Former First Lady Rosalind Carter said that there's nothing more important than a good, safe, and secure home. Cody Swanee agrees, and she's devoting her life to helping families provide that kind of experience for their children. Cody's the Executive Director of Great Plains Youth and Family Services that serves several counties in southwestern Oklahoma, and she's a lifelong third-generation resident of Hobart, where her offices are located and where she's hosting us to record this podcast. Cody, thanks so very much for hosting us and for joining us on this episode of the Spirit of Leading podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, Cody, one of the things that really attracted me about your story was the fact that you're a hometown girl. I mean, you're like a third-generation Hobartonian or whatever. That's right. <laughs> whatever you call it. That's you know? right. But uh, you've been here in this community in southwest Oklahoma your entire life. You were born and raised here. Your family is from here. And, uh, and I'm just uh, impressed with uh, the, the, the amount of commitment that uh, young the pe- people put into their hometowns to making them, you know, really special places. And so what was it like growing up in a small town in southwestern Oklahoma? Growing up in southwest Oklahoma was just a super humble place to grow up in Hobart, Oklahoma, surrounded by family, friends, um, and fellowship uh, amongst the community members. Very tight-knit, not a ton to do, so you created that fun. That fun included having a basketball in your hands uh, all the time, you know, growing up, or some sort of of sporting event or church gathering. Um, Just just an all-around positive place. You, you know, Oklahoma City area, two hours to get to. So mm-hmm. it was a big deal to be able to go to the city on the weekends for special events or special occasions. So um, just real humbling to be surrounded by people that truly care, whether that was a neighbor or somebody, you know, um, somebody visiting with you down on the local main street, you know, they, they were super encouraging and just all around good people to be raised amongst. Well, that's wonderful to hear. You know, uh, there's a, there's a popular theme song for a uh, sitcom called everyone knows a place where everyone knows your name. Exactly. And And that is true. The commercial rounds these days. And that's kind of what a, a small town means to me. I, I heard one time someone says living in a small town is like, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, there's someone who probably does. And that is still true to this day. Um, but again, it's people that mean well. They yeah. want to support you and encourage you in every every path of life. Right. Um, even close to age 40 now, you yeah. know, there's still the supporters out there from um, when I was younger as well. Well, your family, like I said earlier in the intro, your family hails from Hobart as well. 
I think you go back to your grandfather, great-grandfather, and they had a, a lot to say about how Hobart became the kind of community it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, so my uh, Fred Gray Memorial Stadium is named after my um, great-grandfather. Um, it's a baseball stadium here in town, and so my kids see that every day as we travel to school, and it just, again, empowers them to um, want to do better, mm-hmm. be better, and um, be surrounded by the community that my ancestors were, were here for. Well, roots mean a lot I know to a lot of people and putting that having a place to be from and and I travel all over the country and 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 I've been a a lot of small towns big towns and so forth and and every place I go you know you meet people and I keep thinking everyone needs a place yeah everyone is from somewhere and we can't all be in exactly the same place so we spread out (laughs) and wherever we are we make that into our home in some kind of way Mm -hmm. and it's uh, the whole idea of of place and home and roots and identity with an area seems to really uh, resonate with me for some mm-hmm. some reason and i imagine that even more so in in small towns and places where people really have a sense of community together right and hobart is home hobart will be the home um, as i'm raising two young children here and obviously have a lot of business ties to this community as well and so excited for the future Uh, big supporter of our public education our hospital setting here um, because those are the things that make communities thrive Mm -hmm. yeah so uh, what do you think there is about small towns and we kind of talked about a little bit that make them very appealing because small towns really are having more of an appeal of companies who are looking for places to locate Uh, you know i've I've heard other Mm -hmm. communities talking about that companies like so well we kind of like the way a small town kind of feels Mm -hmm. and uh Cheaper cost of living um, is definitely a selling point here in the Hobart community. Um, there are amenities. Um, we have um, the Quartz Mountain State Park that is at our back doors, mm-hmm. how we how we say it, 15 miles away. It's a, a piece of paradise, honestly. Um, it, just that rural small town life um, is what Hobart has to offer um, nice schools, again, hospital setting. Um, you can. There's a lot that a lot of amenities here in mm-hmm. in this town. You know, you you you, ha- you have what you support and need, and uh, and still you make you you make home around what is available. Uh, but like you said earlier, you're not that far away right. from a much larger community. You know, it's that's not that hard to get to Oklahoma City, and Lawton is not that far away, and. And so other things that you might need or want are readily accessible. That is true. And we, you know, we travel out we like to visit other, other small towns for eating, eating purposes or recreational entertainment Mm -hmm. and so forth. So. The work that you do working with youth and family services really is a commitment to families. And as the way I, as I understand the nature of what the services that you all provide, and uh, you've uh, been associated with uh, this organization for several years, and now as executive director in this area. Uh, tell me a little bit about the Youth and Family Services mission, what uh, you do, what services you provide, and what you're seeking to try and uh, do to improve the lives of families. Overall, Great Plains Youth and Family Services is here to help families thrive. We want families to be at their very best, um, and so we offer a lot of services such as mental health services, parenting services, um, pregnancy programs, um, all around just really trying to minimize the child abuse 
abuse and neglect um, risk to families and offer supports um, to help them survive and and thrive. Mm-hmm. What have you seen as some of the let's say underlying issues that really contribute to some of those problems that you're trying to abate? There's a lot of poverty in Southwest Oklahoma um, and amongst the state. As we all know, the pandemic has put a big burden on what the poverty level was already prior to the prior to the pandemic, and it's just really increased um, since then. So we're just trying to offer what families need, really interview families and say, how can we help you now, but how can we advance you for future so that you're not dealing in crisis mode every single month. Tell me a little bit about how your services have grown over the years. I know uh, when I read a little bit of the background of this particular office, it started years ago with a very, very, very almost non-existent budget. <laughs> and now it's really kind of uh, grown. And now you have other several offices uh, around that, uh, that you staff. Great Plains Youth and Family Services has changed dramatically since day one of organization. Um, budget has changed. Obviously, we're operating a little over um, $1.5 million in state, state and local funds and have been able to just expand programs dramatically. Um, many of our programs travel multiple counties to service um, youth and families in different, in different areas. Um, some of those range from a 15-county radius, some um, a seven county radius, some a two county radius, but we are here to meet the needs of the people. Um, a lot of things changed through the pandemic. Um, we were not allowed to go into homes. We were not allowed to see a lot of children face to face because of, um, the safety concerns related to COVID. So we, we had to change and upgrade a lot of technology, um, to be off, to be able to offer a lot of virtual services, telehealth services. Um, and so we adapted really well but went back to that service mission of helping families in the immediate need we found grants and um, foundations that were willing to support us and were able to um, almost triple our supply of baby formula to offer families that have uh, that need to feed their children you know um, there's a lot of food pantry options available for families in need but families were struggling with finding formula hmm. you know to to keep their babies fed and so we increased our supply in hygiene products baby formula food for infants um, and and toddlers and just the necessary supplies for those families to um, properly um, uh, give them the hygiene products that they right. need one of the things that i've noticed or, or i've sensed i guess more is the right way to say that is that uh Sometimes if people aren't in immediate need of those kinds of services themselves, uh, they're not aware of the families that do need those kinds of services, and they tend to not uh, really fully appreciate how dire those circumstances and situations might be for families who are in need of those services. And so how do you help get the word out of how important these kinds of services are to families who really do rely on them? even to the families who may not really be aware of that need. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to get our information around um, across all counties that we serve. And we do that through social media, through giving out pamphlets and flyers at local food banks, 
um, at any other sort of resources that we know that the types of families that are in need that they're already at so they can gain um, more information on what else is out there mm -hmm. to uh, uh, you know to assist their families we love local newspapers and getting our the word out about or the mission about our agency out uh, that direction we like um, local radio um, as well to give information mm -hmm. all of our schools are in contact with us um, all the time they have our contact information and they um, they use that you know to their advantage when they see kids struggling or families in need mm -hmm. what the uh, shift in the kinds of services you provide have you seen over the years that you've been in this office uh, I'm sure in over what the 10 or 15 years you've been here uh, things have changed from the way they began something some things uh, become more necessary maybe other things maybe not so much what shifts and changes have you seen over that time over the past 17 years I have seen a huge in, uh, shift and increase in need of mental health services kids are struggling right now kids were struggling pre-pandemic and now that we are um, have been in the pandemic for two years now um, it is wearing on kids it's wearing on families mm -hmm. we have a waiting list for mental health services um, of three to six months so that's a real struggle for me to see that for families to have to wait for services so we are trying to um, hire more staff that are qualified um, to meet those mental health needs of those kids um, we are also trying to um, a lot of families in crisis mode right now um, pandemic related crisis in my opinion and they they need support they need somebody to talk to immediately so we've added um, a way for families to get some immediate um, immediate needs met right. through visiting with a, a mental health professional mm -hmm. um, almost immediately helping them get things figured out and then um, get with a licensed professional after that well, how would you characterize the the uh, the kind of mental health issues that our children are having. I, I remember when I was a small, a young child, mm -hmm. <laughs> one of the big uh, issues going on in my day and time was uh, like, uh, you know, the Red Scare and the bombs, and we were doing drills to hide under our desk at school. And I mean, I can still remember that I was a little bit kind of nervous about like, what did all that mean? I wasn't really quite sure, you know, why we were doing all of that. And if, uh, if, if my life was safe, you know, imminently, I can still remember how ang anxious I was about that during that time. And, and, I, and I, it, which kind of today, ref the way I reflect on that now is that when children are very, very young, they just don't know what things mean. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, they hear about this pandemic and they see people wearing masks and they were talking about uh, all of the issues around that and people dying and they see the news and so forth. And that's got to wear on them some way. Do you, do you see that as kind of part of the problems that they're facing, you know, in their young lives? I do feel like the pandemic has caused children to um, have a little bit of trauma um, based off of family crisis. It's what's going on in their family unit that is causing them stress. Mm -hmm. And those families can't really control it. You're talking about job loss. You're talking mm -hmm. about death. You know, some kids lost 
family members due to um, the pandemic. And so they're struggling with that. They're struggling with the changes with their education, going virtual to in-person, socialization versus isolation. So I feel like there's a lot of adverse um, childhood effects going on Mm -hmm. uh, pandemic related and they need hope. Um, So if our mental health staff can come in and provide them a little bit of hope and that family a little bit of support for them to be able to function in a in a normal setting, then that's what we are. That's what we are here for. So that's what we're seeing a lot of mental mental health wise now is just kids needing an outside unbiased party to talk to um, because their families are just struggling. Mm Quest and search for qualified staff been like? Has it been tough? Uh, is it uh, especially tra- attracting qualified uh, uh, providers to maybe a, a rural lifestyle who may not be used to that? Uh, what's that been like? That has been a big challenge. Um, we need more people interested in the licensed mental health professional field, especially now more than ever. Um, just like teachers, teacher shortage across the, across the nation, uh, much less the state of Oklahoma, um, the pandemic has brought out so many, so many more um, issues and we need more attention. We need universities um, rolling out um, good quality plans to meet this field of work. Mm-hmm. I know you've been active in your civic clubs and things like that around the city, around Hobart, in this area. Uh, how has that role, that leadership role you've had in your community, been a benefit to you or affected the way that you're able to actually tell the story uh, about the needs and uh, opportunities within the youth and family services area? I love connecting with uh, civic clubs whether it's the one that I'm a part of or the others in town, it is a very um, neat and humbling way to share success stories. You know, they love hearing the successes that um, we're having, whether that's with large programs or small, uh, you know, individual-based programs. Um, And they're they're fun to network and partner with. And there's anything that I need. I know that one person in, in the civic club that I'm a part of they would help me find a. They would either give it to me or help me find a way, mm-hmm. connect me with a person. Hey, you need to go talk to um, so you know a person at this local bank. I bet they would help you out. You know, so that's all about partnerships and connecting with the with the right leaders and the people that we consider key champions in our community. Right. Uh, how have you been able to utilize the uh, influence of your state legislators and uh, your state senators to uh, help tell the story of mental health issues for young people. We enjoy getting to collaborate on a small town level with our uh, senators representatives um, at the state capitol. They um, they love hearing those those success stories as well, but they are open to hearing the barriers and challenges that we have mm-hmm. to hiring the right professionals, um, the, the, needing the money, the money that it takes to run a nonprofit um, social services type organization. So again, they're they're open to hearing those conversations. It's been a struggle the last couple of years getting to the capital. So we're doing a little uh, smaller scale, you know, trying to meet with legislatures on um, lunch lunch and days that 
that are hosted by your local chamber of commerce or other entities in the surrounding communities. Well, the uh, the need for funding, I know, is always a big thing. Uh, uh, and, I, and you mentioned earlier that uh, the state provides a large part of that funding. Uh, what other funding sources are you able to uh, access, you know, for your support? Local funds, and local funds we define as just community members wanting to make donations mm -hmm. um, to the office. We have a memorial program, so if somebody in somebody's family passes away and they want to honor them in a way other than your standard um, plant sending, their name can go on a plaque and be uh, placed in the office for years and years to come so that donation goes on a long ways. Um, we like to find foundations that um, are willing to partner with local youth service agencies, some of those being um, Potts Family Foundation um, out of Oklahoma City. Well, being a, a part of a, an organization that is as is, is integral to the public as yours is, and also, uh, having been very much involved in the local leadership of your community, you know, through your uh, civic clubs and other things that you have participated in, what, what have you learned about leading, you know, in a community or leading in an organization that, uh, that you didn't know, you know, when you started out? There's things that, you, that you've grown into or learned about doing or learned about lead, uh, being a leader in these kinds of roles that uh, you might uh, want to share with someone else who is maybe doing the same kind of thing. I think leader and learning play go hand in hand. There's um, a learning lesson in every every mission, every um, every day that you are in the workforce. And so, um, obviously, I've learned a lot over the last 17 years working, went, doing um, field work or program work, and then stepped into a managerial position almost 10 years ago. Um, I enjoyed those learning lessons 17 years ago. I needed that. I needed to be um, one, of, one of my staff in order to effectively do my position. So, I feel that being being a leader um, is empowering, but teaching those around you to lead in a direction um, to, you know, to have make them feel successful in their position as well is is a strong, um, you know, is a strong suit. How have you seen yourself grow as sort of a mentor leader as you bring staff on and you're showing them the ropes and they're they're, they're where you were a few years ago in terms of uh, of uh, maybe experience. Uh, what, have, uh, what have you noticed about the way you've, uh, you've learned to interact and engage with those staff people? Mm -hmm. I love to see people succeed, and I feel like seeing people succeed, you've got to pull their strengths what they are good at. So I like to put my staff in situations where they thrive. We talk about the barriers of their jobs um, that come across that they don't necessarily enjoy or they don't necessarily thrive at and they work towards that but I love more of the strengths-based approach when it comes to to staff um, I want to come to work today and do what I'm really good at mm -hmm. and I know that 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 my staff do as well well I know that uh, that's a, a, a big part of learning to take that uh, that strength and make it really into something that can you can rely on to be successful and playing to our strengths and learning our strengths. Are there any things uh, in, in your own experience where you say, boy, this was an area that I really had to grow in? I mean, when I started uh, as a leader, I, I, I realized that, oh, oops, 
I've got to really bone up on these particular set of skills and things like that. Where were your real stretch points, you know, that you found yourself growing in as, uh, as you uh, worked your way through, uh, you know, becoming more and more successful in this work? Two things. Um, one, celebrating the successes of your work. You, you know, just a little bit more humble. I feel like I am about that. And so, um, the, I need to do a better job of selling the success of this organization mm-hmm. and myself as well to put me in positions to, um, exceed even more. So secondly, asking for money, asking for supports necessary to run a vital business in this community. I feel like 10 years ago when I took the executive director position that that was one of my struggle points. And here we are today and I I have to ask daily, you know, for more operational money and it is necessary for this community. This agency was put here um, to solve community needs the needs of my community now are different than what they were two years ago. Mm-hmm. So um, showing our worth and our successes and asking for more money is, a, is an area that um, have definitely seen some some strengths then. Yeah, well, good. I, I, uh, I, I congratulate you on being more successful at doing that because I think that's probably something that a lot of people struggle with, being able to tell people we're, we're doing something valuable and we're worth it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but we need help to continue to be able to provide that level of service. And so uh, kudos to being able to kind of step up, you know, and speak up for yourself that way. Yes. And uh, now I know that the, uh, the, the, the family services, youth and family services offices around the state, there are, uh, there are, there are service offices in many other communities. But as I've uh, been so, a little bit aware of them, I realize that they all are a little bit different. They, they're not all like the same office every place. Uh, how does that work? I mean, how does, how, how does it organizationally work and how do those offices determine what their mission is going to be, you know, in their communities? So youth services, there is a youth service agency that serves all 77 counties of the state of Oklahoma. And that is awesome um, that everybody can be impacted with youth services in different capacities. Each youth service agency will decide what their community needs are. So Oklahoma City, Tulsa, there's in Lawton, there's more of a homeless community there. So they operate lots of homeless type programs. So each youth service agency decides what their mission needs to be based off of what their communities need. So Great Plains, our main programs are mental health, parenting, uh, reducing the risk and rates for child abuse. We have pregnancy programs. Um, We have funding from the Tobacco Settlement Endowment Trust to empower communities to create healthy initiatives um, for them to be able to thrive. Um, Foster care and host homes. We are, um, you know, work to find safe homes for children that need out-of-home placement uh, care for those kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So each, each youth service agency is vastly different, but it's all different because we're all trying to meet different community needs. Okay. Well, uh, if you were going to make a pitch to someone uh, who's considering something in their career, 
because I know uh, a lot of young people are searching for something. They're searching for what they say, meaning and purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to do something that's meaningful, something that has purpose to it, something I can look back and say, I was proud that I did this more so than just a job or a paycheck. How would you pitch them youth and family services? Helping families as a career has so many rewards and passion that they're countless. You get to see long lasting change with children and youth across your hometown. And there's nothing more deep and meaningful than that. Seeing them graduate, walk across the stage, um, getting their diploma is a, a heartfelt moment that you may not ever you may not ever get to to see again um, seeing a a family in a mental health crisis and then see them reach goals that have set them up for success there's just not a more rewarding thing mm-hmm. than seeing somebody um, deep in depression or sadness to turning their life around getting a job getting a degree it's just extremely um, heartfelt. Well, it's uh, and that's I really appreciate that perspective because when you help someone's life improve, mm-hmm. uh, when you have an impact that all of a sudden here's someone who had no hope and now they have it. Uh, they had no future in their own mind of what they could be and now they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've really enlarged their expectations of what life can be for them. Uh, if, just to know that you had some small part and maybe helping that turnaround happen. I mean, I can see why that would be so very, very rewarding mm-hmm. and uh, fulfilling to be able to do that. My licensed mental health staff, they get a lot of positive feedback, you know, from their clients being successful, um, making ch- the change needed for their physical health on top of their, their mental health mm-hmm. as well. You, you grew up in Hobart, and then you uh, went off to get your education, went to Oklahoma State and, and uh, Weatherford, I guess, mm-hmm. is that where you went. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you, in a sense, left, mm-hmm. t- left home, and then you came back. Now, uh, did it ever go through your mind that you could go someplace else besides Hobart, or should go someplace else besides Hobart, you know, to pursue your uh, life professionally? And then what brought you back? Stillwater would be my second home if I had to choose. There's a lot of um, moments and memories made at Oklahoma State University and just the the city of Stillwater in itself. But um, Hobart was was home for me, and Hobart will be home until my two kiddos graduate from Hobart High School. (laughs) So um, I tease people that I could retire in the Stillwater area, but uh, we'll see what happens in the next 10 years. Well, it's, am- it's amazing. It's The pull of hometown is just so powerful. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the course of recording these uh, episodes of The Spirit of Leading, we have I have been able to talk to people who have gone back to their hometowns, and they, they, say, they say the same kinds of things you say, is that uh, this is where I'm from, this is my home, mm-hmm. and uh, I want it to be the very best that it can be. And if it's going to be like that, then I have a part to play in making that happen. Mm-hmm. So whether it's, uh, you know, Guymond or Woodward or, or, or Hobart or Durant or wherever it might be, or Stillwater, wherever it might be, home is where you are. 
Home is what you make it. And home is comfortable and comfort level right now, especially uh, the last two years. You know, that means it means a lot. It's a, it's a, it's a place to be safe. Yes. And uh, safe and secure and uh, familiar. And, uh, you know, it's, and it feels good to be in a place that is you're familiar with. And uh, it's, uh, it's kind of like you're, you're in your space where your energy is. And I call it my creative energy, the sense of who I am and, and just being in that familiarity zone uh, brings a lot of peace of mind and comfort usually. And so it doesn't matter if it's a, you know, a big palatial home or just a little small place that, uh, where that's safe and comfortable for me and it's, it's my spot. <laughs> exactly. And that's what the mission of our organization is, is to build safe and healthy, healthy families. Well, I certainly commend you on all of that, and uh, I know you work, uh, you have a lot of young people on your staff, and you come across a lot of young people. Uh, maybe just a, a lesson that you've learned of leadership that you would want to say, anyone who is seeking to uh, see themselves in sort of a leadership role within your community or in your organization, what you might uh, suggest to them, a lesson learned that you learned yourself that you would say, maybe you should think about this. Do what makes you happy. Do what makes you f feel fulfilled because you're young, you're young people, you're in it for a while. So why come to work um, and not be happy? Find somewhere where you feel happy at home. I say that Great Plains is my second home. I literally spend more time here most weeks than I do inside my own home. So, you know, go somewhere where you're um, happy and you feel like you can flourish. Great advice. Great advice. Well, Cody, thanks so much for being, uh, extending your hospitality to let us come into your office space. And what I know it's a busy day for you and uh, take time to just get to know you a little bit, a little bit about your work and to uh, hear a little bit about your life experience. Well, likewise, I appreciate the offer. Thanks so much. Well, listen, uh, that's uh, Cody Swanee, who is the executive director of the Great Plains Youth and Family Services uh, that's office here in Hobart, Oklahoma, and this is her hometown. A great place to live and uh, in the wonderful southwest Oklahoma. I'm familiar with it myself from my own family background and uh, have a lot, a lot of great memories of, of uh, being out in southwest Oklahoma. So, Cody, thanks so much, and good luck to you. Appreciate you. Thank you. Well, that's it for this installment of the Spirit of Leading podcast. I want to thank you for listening. I also encourage you to recognize and appreciate anyone who demonstrates the spirit of leading at work and in the community. When you join the Empowered, you get a notification of my latest podcast or the latest post in my weekly Empowering Thoughts series. So please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. And until next time, I urge you to live empowered each and every day and unleash your creative energy by enlivening your heart, enlightening your mind, encouraging your spirit, and enlarging the expectations of living in yourself and in others. I'm Garland McWaters.